The Trudeau government shuts down requests from the provinces for additional exemptions to the carbon tax. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau appoints a former Liberal MP and a longtime Liberal donor to the supposedly independent Senate. The Auditor General found that federal DEI initiatives are failing to improve outcomes for racialized workers in the public service. Hello Canada, it's Wednesday, November 1st, and this is True North's Daily Brief. I'm Cosman Georgia. And I'm Lindsay Shepard. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. On Tuesday, the Minister of Environment and Natural Resources dismissed calls for more federal carbon pricing exemptions on home heating. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced a three-year pause on the carbon tax for oil heating in homes, a move that predominantly benefits Canadians living in Atlantic Canada. Homes heated with oil produce higher emissions than natural gas. This has led several premiers to demand Trudeau grant their residents the same exemption for natural gas. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev also wrote an open letter to Trudeau asking for federal carbon pricing exemptions on all home heating. On Monday, Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe said his government would stop collecting the carbon tax from homes heated with natural gas in his province if the Trudeau government did not extend the same exemption it gave to Atlantic Canada, a region known as a voter stronghold for Liberals. Moe said the current exemption has resulted in two classes of taxpayers. On Tuesday, Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson responded to Moe's threat by saying there will be no more carve-outs coming. Wilkinson added that Moe's position wasn't legal under the law. Environment Minister Stephen Gilbeau later said that the government won't be creating other exemptions to carbon pricing and that the exemption for home oil heating is a very particular situation. So, Lindsay, we know from recent polls that the Liberals have been declining in Atlantic Canada. Seems like there's more politics involved than science in this exemption for oil home heating. Is this a political ploy by the Trudeau government? Well, Cosman, according to StatCan, in 2021, only 3% of households nationally use home heating oil. Most of the households that use home heating oil are in the Atlantic region. Um, So, for example, in Newfoundland and Labrador, almost one in five households uses home heating oil. And if you recall, earlier in October, a Newfoundland Liberal MP, Ken McDonald, he broke ranks with the Trudeau government regarding the carbon tax in the House of Commons, and he actually voted with the Conservatives to repeal the carbon tax. So um, McDonald is the MP for the Avalon riding in Newfoundland and Labrador. McDonald was trying to point out that the carbon tax particularly disadvantages those who live in rural areas. And he had some really harsh words to say for his own party. He said that if there were an election called today, he wasn't sure if his own party would actually form government. Since then, he's said that he wants to stay a liberal. He doesn't intend to cross the floor. But, you know, I think this did have a major effect on the carbon tax and in Atlantic Canada specifically. 
Prime Minister Justin Trudeau appointed five individuals to vacant so-called independent senator spots, including one former Liberal MP and a Liberal MLA who is a longtime party donor. Chief among the appointments was former Cape Breton Canso MP Roger Kuzner. Kuzner had served with the federal Liberals from 2000 to 2019 and was the Parliamentary Secretary for Employment, Workforce Development, and Labor under Trudeau. The statement announcing Kuzner's appointment makes no explicit mention of his Liberal ties and only refers to him as a former parliamentarian. Appointee former New Maryland MLA Joan Kingston also served under the New Brunswick Liberal Association banner for one term, from 1995 to 1999. She was appointed by Trudeau alongside John McNair and Krista Ross to fill two Senate vacancies for New Brunswick. Rajan O'Quinn and Roger Kuzner were appointed for two Nova Scotia spots. Additionally, Kingston has a decade-long history of regularly donating to the Federal Liberal Party of Canada, including donations to Trudeau's leadership campaign in 2013. Elections Canada records show that Kingston contributed $100 to Trudeau's leadership campaign on December 31st, 2012. Kingston has also made regular $20 donations to the party on a monthly basis, dating all the way back to 2012, with the most recent donation being December 29th, 2022. According to Elections Canada data, the total donations contributed by Kingston add up to $4,930. Despite Kingston's extensive ties to the Liberals, the announcement by Trudeau makes no mention of her role as a Liberal member and party donor. Cosman, it's clear the Liberals have broken their promise to reform the Senate, and their idea of independent senators is a sham. Is this the first time the Liberals have appointed party loyalists to the Senate? No, absolutely not. It's not the first time. In 2021, Trudeau appointed Amina Gerba to represent Quebec. Donation records showed that Gerba also made repeat donations to the federal liberals. And this isn't the first time that they flopped on their promises, right? Uh, Trudeau pledged Senate reform, but he also pledged electoral reform. If you recall, uh, the Senate reform, there was a huge push after the Mike Duffy scandal under the Harper government, but the liberals seem to continue a, a trend of appointing people they want in there. And as we know, the Senate has pretty much approved most of the Trudeau government's measures. They approved Bill C-11. They totally greenlit his unprecedented use of the Emergencies Act to quash Freedom Convoy protesters. So unlike Trudeau, who claimed it would be sunny ways, here we are quite late into his third term, and uh, it just seems par for the course they're keeping down this route. Federal law enforcement agencies tasked with implementing diversity, equity, and inclusion DEI initiatives were found to have made little to no progress in improving outcomes for women, Aboriginal peoples, visible minorities, and those with disabilities. An audit of six federal organizations responsible for the administration of justice in Canada found that despite the corrective actions taken by these agencies in pursuit of DEI, the experience of equity-deserving groups and racial racialized peoples has not improved and in some cases has gotten marginally worse. The Auditor General concluded that the six organizations, quote, took action to correct the conditions of disadvantage in employment experienced by racialized employees, but they did not do enough 
to demonstrate progress toward creating an inclusive organizational structure. The six law enforcement agencies in question are the Canada Border Service Agency, Correctional Services Canada, the Department of Justice, the Public Prosecution Service of Canada, Public Safety Canada, and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. The conclusions of the Auditor General are obvious for anybody paying attention. DEI initiatives functionally don't achieve anything. In fact, they achieve the opposite of some of their supposed goals. It actually leads to more division and more hatred towards other peoples. But here we have it in writing, sort of, although the Auditor General's conclusions are to further enact DEI initiatives. I think over time, both the private and public sector are starting to realize that this is just a money-making scheme for people who have fully bought into DEI or are profiting off of it somehow. Lindsay, are DEI initiatives a complete waste of time or virtue signaling at its worst? Why is the government so obsessed with race and outcomes based on race? Yeah, Cosman, it's shocking how much money flows into government DEI initiatives and research because ultimately the goal is to see a quality of outcome. And in the report, for example, Public Safety Canada saw an increase in discrimination towards visible minorities. It apparently went from 16% to 19% from 2018 to 2020. And also in the Department of Justice, um, discrimination towards visible minorities went from 11% to 13%. But we have to ask ourselves, of course, well, are we just lowering the bar of what is considered a racist act? Because I really doubt public servants who are working within the government are, you know, hurling racial slurs at each other. Uh, I just don't really see that as plausible. The kind of people who work for the public service are generally really conventional and, and rule followers. It's hard to take seriously people who truly believe and and express that Canada is, you know, one of the most racist places on earth. I've, I've heard people say that Canada has polite racism and it's just so implicit. It's not overt like you might experience in America, but there's, you know, this really vicious implicit racism. And I just think if if you truly want to live somewhere where you will not be subjected to tribalism and racism, Canada is the place you want to be. Of course, I don't mean that in the sense of initiatives where, for example, companies will exclude hiring white people. That is racist. But I just mean in, in general, a sense of the sense of tribalism is not so strong in Canada. That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Plus, The Andrew Lawton Show will be live today at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. <laughs>